Hi, and welcome to Willow Roundtable Discussions. Willow is an events-driven community where industry experts and entrepreneurs can come together in social settings and share the latest intelligence and cutting-edge technology and investment opportunities. Our group discussion starts now. Thank you everyone for coming. I'm really happy that everyone's here. Today is a Willow event at MOGS with MOGS, always here at MOGS. And um, we have a lot of special guests and special speakers, so really excited. And the topic of today is what? We're talking about the metaverse, NFTs, and the future of collectibles. Correct. And some gaming as well. Well, yeah, of course, some gaming. So I think let's get started with um, all of the people who are like on the on the list of speakers and, and everyone out, I'll kind of like call out after. Let's start with you, Eric. Hi, hello, my name is Eric Chow and I'm a writer, gamer, and dog lover. Um, I work for ESL Gaming and we do esports. Can you please introduce Pooper? Yes, so my dog who you can't see right now, who's sitting next to me, is the Major Pooper. He is an 11-year-old mutt from Beijing. And now we're at Jonathan. <coughs> hello, my name is Jonathan Schechter, also known as Shecky. Um, I'm a longtime music and media industry guy, um, founder of The Source magazine way back in the day, but currently very interested in DeFi and crypto and everything related to digital technology and the future. Cool. I'm Amber, so uh, me and Chrissy and Sandy put these events together. I'm also an ambassador for um, uh, Uniquely Platform, which is an NFT fractionalizing platform that's about to launch in the next few weeks. Hi, my name is Yen Wang. I'm a former video game grizzled veteran. So I spent uh, over 20 years making video games, operating video games. I worked at companies like LucasArts, Disney, Blizzard. And now I'm also exploring the digital world of cryptocurrencies, NFTs, DeFi, the whole that whole space, and I'm excited for the future of the metaverse and where that will lead. So, so I thought that like grizzled veteran was like a gaming industry term, and I tried to get Eric to call himself some sort of grizzled veteran. I'm far too uh, new to be a grizzled veteran. Yeah, I'm old. It's actually a, a a lunch group that we have. Like everyone's in their 50s, and we were making games in the 90s, so we literally called it. The Grizzled Game Veterans Lunch. It's not so much about an age issue. It's more I have so much more to learn from people like Yen. Yeah. Great. Uh, my name is William Balbean, and uh, now I can see it. my levels are super. Yeah, it's worse when you move it because then I hear like, "Ooh, I'm moving." Hi, my name is William Balbean. <laughs> edit this later. <laughs> this is very casual, guys. Like, <laughs> just because there are speakers here, this doesn't mean anything. I just wanted it to look. Cool yeah, this thing is turned photos. way the fuck up, so you don't even need to lean it. Oh, yeah, so yeah, we right. just got it's to It's super today, high so right now. Yeah, so my name is William it? Bean, and uh, I'm a venture capital investor um, with uh, SOSV. So welcome to our, 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 our you know nice office, uh, courtesy of Taiwan Tech Arena. Um, so I've been doing tech investment for 25 years, and I've uh, done two startups. Uh, the first one was an unmitigated disaster uh, in media, and the second one, uh, we had some small success. Uh, we launched Vice Media in China, 
uh, and uh, 2010 to 2012 uh, built it to uh, an, a very interesting place, like a top uh, social campaign in the history of China uh, without spending any money, which is the key thing, especially if you know Vice. Uh, but no, I, uh, after that, uh, did SoftBank uh, for China and Southeast Asia investments. And now um, what we're doing here, uh, started to invest in crypto. I've uh, been doing games since 99 and uh, getting into DeFi and just did our first NFT investment in January. So happy to share about that. Thanks. Can you tell us like what the project was? You thought it can't be secret like that. Oh, so yeah. So we... <laughs> Um, bumped into an old friend on the internet because we're not actually bumping to, into people in real life these days. Uh, so it's all about the metaverse. And I've uh, known uh, Hirsch uh, for 13, 14 years. Um, and he built over the last two and a half years a metaverse called Superworld. Uh, so Superworld has been around for two and a half years. It's been launched. And uh, in November, he did $11,000 in you know, basically virtual real estate plot sales. Um, you know, each one is 0.1 ETH, which at that time was like, you know, $120. Uh, and then in December, actually maybe less, December he did $19,000 in sales. And the only thing he changed was he put an explainer video on his website. And uh, so I had invested in crypto starting in 2015. I invested in four companies in crypto fintech and I got one called BitMEX um, and without ever meeting the founders in person. And so at this point I'm like, yeah, don't really understand this. So I'm definitely going to invest. Um, <laughs> and so in February they hit $111,000 uh, in and revenue. Basically they're taking like real land and real estate and then, you know, tokenized, not sorry, That's NFT. illegal. No, they're not taking, they're taking the entire world <laughs> yes. and turning it into virtual map, uh, 62 billion plots, and they're selling virtual real estate, not real real estate. Not real real estate, yeah, no. That, that, you know, no. <laughs> we had a lot of problems with BitMEX in the law, so we're going to keep it real with, uh, with Superworld. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you can buy any place in the world on this virtual map for uh, 0.1 ETH, uh, which is now $175. Uh, and uh, it's starting to take off. And they are supporting creativity. Uh, so they have a, uh, an artist salon and an NFT exchange where because the world is your gallery, right? So... Um, so really happy to talk about that tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Cool, let's let Patrice intro. Hi, my name is Patrice So. I'm a curator uh, focusing on contemporary art. And I love to collaborate with different expertise from different fields. Cool, KK. Hi, um, my name is KK. I, I have a company called Beast Kingdom. We sign a contract with the um, the licensed store like Disney to produce the collectible toys and we also do uh, IP exhibitions so very very happy to be here tonight. KK is also a very good friend to have because every time you go into his office it's like going to Disneyland <laughs> and also when he when he comes to see you he brings gifts for your friends so <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Jimmy? Hello everyone, so I'm Jimmy Wang. Um, I've been in e-commerce for 20 years. I have my own startup. 
selling party supplies and toys on the Yahoo Store platform back in the days. Um, from there, I worked for a national golf retailer. I've been only doing e-commerce. I even worked for an adult toy company, um, partnered with Pornhub. Um, and then from there, I worked for Newegg, where a uh, uh, online retailer of consumer electronics. From there, I went to Western Digital. Uh, I managed our SanDisk uh, e-commerce store. And then from there to uh, Incipio, uh, we sell like in-case, phone cases, in-case bags for Apple Store. And now I work for Bandai Namco. Uh, I'm responsible for our uh, B2B e-commerce for the U.S. market. And Namco is like big in? Yeah, we're big in uh, games, but also the toys division. I'm in a toy division. Cool. And so these are our main speakers, but I'd also like, you know, Justin to give an intro since, you know, you're also... I was accidentally brought up here. And I... Yeah, I accidentally <laughs> called you out right now, Justin. I don't even know you. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Taking care uh, of you, you know? Yeah, no, I'm very, very happy. Uh, hi, my name is Justin Lug. I'm the general manager of uh, Riot Games. Uh, we make uh, League of Legends and Valorant and Wild Rift and a couple of other I'm just going to continue on with my other friends. Ryan, do you want to do a DeFi thing or no? No, not my neck. Don't forget. Okay, what about Mark? Hi, I'm Mark. Uh, I'll introduce myself. Why not? Um, Hi, I'm Mark. Uh, I have been doing... So my first encounter with NFTs was we were... I was working for a virtual reality company uh, doing virtual games. We were looking into virtual uh, products. obviously in-game items and how to make those long-lasting and how to make those added value. And uh, since then, I've been in the blockchain for the last three years, done a couple of projects, just got done with a project for actually an, an adult entertainment company who was also looking into NFT. Enjoying music uh, in the company of others within games. Uh, but those can also be copyright protected and monetizable. Cool, Kiki, do you have, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that like, real actual IP holders are going to start to create their own NFTs like on similar to what's out there now or what are your views? Um, I, I think there's a market, but um, I'm not sure if a content company can, can do this kind of stuff because I've been talking to them for to clear our merchandise right to because uh, whenever creating a figuring we, we, we have the 3D files so logically we can we can sell the file on the on, on the on the on the virtual world, but all all of our all of our existing contract in order to complete one transaction, there there's there's a shipping document need to be in place, and without the shipping document, it's not a complete transaction, which means our contract with the Disney, Universal, Warner Brothers is not. Uh, it's not allowing us to do it. But whenever we're talking about that, and it come with the legal legal team, it come with the brand assurance team. I mean, every everyone has to be involved. But I think there's a market there, cause yeah, cause I, um, we we do have a lot of inquiry from our customer talking about that if if we can release the file for them to sell on the, you know, virtual market. Yeah. Interesting. Eric, can you tell us about like how your company is doing the whole connection between uh, physical and digital collectibles and how that's going to affect sort of like the collectors in the future? So from an ESL standpoint, there's three things that we're currently doing with um, NFTs and crypto. One of the things is it's going to be very important to be part of the, and I can't explain more on this, unfortunately, but 
um, we are doing something with the digital conference kind of co concept where you would have a special ticket which will be backed by an NFT and allow you to go to different exhibits based on whatever, whatever level of uh, ticketing you have. And to be fair, you honestly don't have to use an NFT or anything to power this technology at the moment, but the ultimate goal is for that ticket to continue on in value. So many ways, think of um, buying a, um, a Super Bowl ticket and having be able to have that as a collectible and have being able to sell that on further after you watch the Super Bowl. Cool. So that's something that we're currently working on. I can't explain more on to how that works. Um, the other thing that we're doing is um, building specific tokens for players. So players will be able to check into multiple tournaments using that. And that's something I also can't go into too much detail on. But the one thing that I can definitely go into is more or less a digital and physical thing that we're doing, which is along the lines of um, digital and physical trading cards. So very similar to what Top Shot has done with um, uh, the NBA or NFL, we're doing the exact same thing for professional game players and content creators. So you can go and buy a digital pack on something like epics.gg, and it'll have your favorite Counter-Strike player, it'll have your favorite uh, streamer, and that will be uh, unique to you. You'll have that one unique card that you can then trade or put on the marketplace and trade with other people for. Cool, and cool. that is a massive moneymaker. Cool. Justin, um, also from like a traditional gaming perspective, how, what are your thoughts on the whole NFT boom? Are you trying also going to incorporate it or...? Uh, okay, from a work perspective and from like a riot perspective, we have no like plans that we are like where we're actually like looking at this in, in, in detail. Right? I think there's lots of people who are very interested in it, and I think it has a lot of potential. But I think that you know the way that our business model is set up, it's very sort of separated. We have our own kind of things going on. It doesn't necessarily make sense for us to kind of delve into this. Personal perspective, however, and as a person who plays a lot of video games, consumes a lot of content, you know, like spends way too much time playing Genshin Impact and rolling for characters like <laughs> have no material value outside of the game. I, I think that the concept is absolutely fascinating. And I kind of think that if you have the ability to create um, to create something that you are able to purchase or earn or whatever in a game that then can translate into other games that you can take with you to other worlds that you can take with you through your entire gaming experience um, that you can display in whatever metaverse you decide. But isn't that one of the key issues with the IP or how are these gaming things going to cross over into different metaverses? Yeah, and, and I, I think that for, from our perspective, like we, um, and actually, like, I actually can't comment too much on sort of like how we're thinking about it because we don't have a set sort of viewpoint on it, you know? Um, but I, I do think that there's like a lot of potential there. And I kind of think that there's companies out there now that I've, I've sort of, that are starting to think with this as the fundamental like cornerstone of how they think about their content strategy and that makes it more possible. I think for a company like us, where we have 10 years of, of content that we produce, where the people collect, where the, you can see the impulse there, um, if we had started out with this concept, it would be possible to kind of go back and kind of create that. Um, but I think that for other companies that are thinking about this, like thinking about this as a cornerstone of how you um, think about your content, the way that you think about creating ways for your players to enter the world and to sort of expand beyond the world has a lot of untapped potential. I think like this goes back to KK. Do you feel that there's going to be ability to cross over with like different NFTs, with like with IPs to like different games or collections? Is that like a potential um, revenue there? From what I see right now, it's like, um, right now it's at the stage of like, like many years ago, there was CDMA and GSM, and people are betting their money on different <laughs> systems. 
and now all all the thing we are talking about is actually on different systems, and and there is no authority to come out to to make the law that is actually fit for globally. So when you're talking about IP crossover, anything um you know online, is it, it will come with the legal issues. So without the authority or without the the law has been made, now is. I don't. I don't think it's possible, but I think right now with the current situation, it has to go to uh, the gaming company. Why? 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 Most of the gaming company prohibit player on trading the, the figures. I mean, the the, the 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 character they make online. Why? Why not? They allow to. I mean, this is like kind of like if I I I do a if I I'm a player I play for a long time. And this character is has been uh, uh, very strong on skill within the game. Can I sell them to other players? In many oh. games, you can now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know, I know Overwatch, you cannot. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, just one thing that we did is we created uh, basically non-counterfeit, any counterfeit, any fake QR codes. Mm -hmm. So what you can do is you can have a physical product. And put a unique label on it, yeah. and so the NFT is then tied to the product. Yes. So under your my understanding of your licensing contracts, and I didn't yeah. read them obviously, <laughs> but like you can actually you don't need to NFT the character, you can NFT the product, I see. and then so the physical product is tied to the NFT. Now you can toss the physical product, but that's actually your key. Yeah. So. You might want to think about that, and we can take that offline. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that would be in violation of your licensing uh, agreements because you're not NFTing the character; you're NFTing the product. That uh, there's a, that's a similar to in um, esports. A friend of mine, they're NFTing their their sports teams. They're not actually NFTing the car or that. They're NFTing the car that belongs to the team. But I have another question for Mark. I'm wondering in the in the adult film entertainment. Industry, do you see it being gamified through NFTs? Um, so I think, the, to be perfectly frank, all of that space has been pretty behind since since the two days where they were very innovative. They've been very behind the times and taking up new new products and new new technologies. So, do I think they're going to do anything quickly? No. We're, I mean, obviously, our company and our team is looking at it right now. Um, but again, it, it, it's still a ways off in in doing things that are. I think the main value is in doing things that are not copyable or not replicable, or you can just do one off of something of a digital file, of a of a video file, of a picture, of something like that. Um, and the other thing it, that it does bring is it brings authenticity, and I think that's a big deal because almost every uh, part of eBay is. You know, this is the authentic axe that was used on the set of, you know, Lord of the Rings. This is the one the guy is holding, right? With NFTs, you have the ability to do to actually prove that and have an have an official version from from start one. And so I think, uh, like, you know, looking at how people create content for adult industries, it's like this could be the official thing, or this could be the number one thing that that was made, or this is the the, the one that 
was uh, the original. And that why is it the original? Because I said so, and it's got an NFT attached to it, right? Um, and and I think that that's a, that's where it'll go in the short. But I don't think it'll be a short term. I shouldn't say it's in the short term because I think it's actually going to be slower in some of these industries than than others. Uh, Jimmy, you're like an expert in like collectibles. I'm wondering if you feel that NFTs is going to sort of help your business, help this sort of like rare rarity, or how do you feel on? Well, like in terms of um, NFTs, I'm still relatively new to it. Um, I haven't heard uh, my colleagues uh, speak internally about this. Again, I'm on the toy side, mm -hmm. but I do understand that um, what Bandai Namco is really excellent in is in controlling the supply and demand of our product. Uh, since I'm in the uh, uh, collector side, for example, for a listing that's on Amazon, uh, Amazon's our customers. The sellers on Amazon are also my customers. Uh, also, my customers also have their own website. So actually, we, we do have control over what we want to supply Amazon. When we supply Amazon, the prices reflect a market price or MSRP. But when we stop, uh, supplying Amazon, the due to the limitation of these products, actually the price goes up. So what happens? I encourage the customers to go to a customer website and say, "Hey, you're actually getting a great deal at MSRP instead of inflated uh, price on Amazon." So we we do have a good control of that aspect, and a lot of it's really based on controlling the supply and demand. Cool. Thank you. Um I'm thinking that there's, you know, a lot of buzz towards NFTs and, you know, you're saying, Eric, that it's going to always start off in gaming and it needs to be in gaming. But I feel that mainstream adoption is going to come from people like, you know, the Bilal sale or Kings of Leon or like people that people do. A lot of artists that are approaching me, they don't even know what an NFT is. They just want to use this form to, you know, to create better interaction with their clients or for the monetary factor. Can you explain how other people are getting involved? What's new? What's going on and what's to look forward to? Me. Of course you okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, we're, in, we're at an interesting moment with music and NFTs. Um, it's been really exploding, um, as mentioned, with Blau, who's an electronic artist based in Las Vegas, where I actually live as well. Um, he recently sold an album that was three years old <clears throat> for over $11 million, um, which really got a lot of people's attention in the music industry. Um, a few other prominent artists have done similar things. Uh, Kings of Leon is a rock band that, that did some interesting things with NFTs that included what they called a golden ticket, which allowed you to have a basically a backstage pass and a, and a front row seat to a bunch of their concerts. So there's the experience aspect of it, which, which is, a, I think, a really interesting angle on NFTs, not just a digital thing, but something you can actually do in, your, in real life. Um, but what's happening now with music is... is we're at a, it's still early, um, but we're at an interesting point where, you know, the music industry, as everyone knows, is hundreds of years old and it has a lot of legacy issues, meaning like there's people that are uh, burdened by contracts with record labels, uh, publishing companies. Um, you know, th there's a lot of infrastructure in the music industry that blockchain in general has been looking to disrupt for some time now, um, but not really successfully yet. Um, the, the existing legacy music industry has a very strong hold on the business of music. Um, and as a result, the people that are making these moves are often, they're making NFTs, are often in, the independent artists and the people that are not burdened by a record label or burdened by a publishing deal. 
for those that don't understand, a publishing deal is about songwriting. So whenever any song that, that gets released has songwriters, it could be the artist, but it might not be. It could be someone who's just in a room writing a song. Also, the people that make the music are songwriters, so producers or even musicians that play on the song are also considered songwriters. So that whole side of the business is actually a very um, deep-seated and actually the most valuable part of the music industry. And it's very unclear, uh, to be honest with you, how that and blockchain confront each other because all the artists that are putting stuff online, the reason you're seeing a lot of electronic artists like Blau and like RAC and a handful of others. I just saw recently that Calvin Harris just announced a, a drop on uh, Nifty Gateway, which is, he's a really, really big uh, EDM star. Um, the reason you're seeing a lot of electronic artists lead the way is because they often work alone. They're basically a guy or girl in, in a studio uh, by themselves writing a song. And that's the reason why it's easier for them to make a move and to do, put it out over here, put it out over there. Whereas if you're, if you're in a band or if you're even a rapper who has a producer and sometimes other songwriters and there, there's a lot more people involved, there's a lot more companies involved. So the EDM artists are kind of leading the way because they're, they're really more, more uh, agile in, in what they can do. Um, another, so we're, we're at an interesting point and, and because of the blouse sale, it really woke a lot of the industry up to the potential of NFTs. Um, and I'm part of that, you know, I mean, I was following it for a long time, but I think that what Blau did, a lot of the reason of his success and is because he's been around crypto for a long time. You know, the, it's not just about, he's not the most famous guy. Um, he's not the biggest star, no, no disrespect to him, but he's not the biggest star. But the reason he got so, he was so su successful is because he's been networking and working in the crypto world for years now. And I think that that is also a factor. Now, what's happening with these music NFTs is a lot of times the music artists are teaming up with what we're calling now crypto artists, which are visual artists, graphic artists who specialize in making content for the crypto world. And so that combination is really where this action is happening with these NFTs. Um, but I think the real potential here is, uh, this is a long answer, but the real potential here is the way that it really aligns the interests of fans for the first time with the artists in a real genuine way. And what some people are calling, you know, what, what we see on like uh, Patreon and stuff like that, where an artist gets to support their, a fan gets to support their favorite artist. Here we're calling it like patronage, patronage plus, which means that basically for the first time, not only can I support my favorite artists, but I might be able to make money alongside them as well because I buy an NFT of their work, and then I might be able to resell it. And the, the, the new version of NFTs with the new ERC standard allows for royalties to be paid now for, for the original creator, the person that minted, the, the entity that mints the NFT, then gets to receive royalties and the resale. So in that sense, you're aligning the interests of the fan and the artist for the first time. So that is why I really see the, so much potential for the future of music and NFTs is because really it gives a chance for, for fans to get involved in a genuine way at, you know, connecting directly to the artist and also aligning the interests directly with the artist's interests. And so that's where the future lies. Um, but in the meantime, we do have, as other speakers have pointed out, what amounts to a big frenzy and almost a bubble in terms of the 
crazy inflated valuation of some of these things. And I do not believe, I mean, I know the value of music. I've been around music for over 30 years working in this industry. And I know that songs are not worth $11 million. You know, I mean, that's no, again, I don't want to single him out, but, but like, I don't think they're going to hold that value. You know, I really don't. But that being said, I do think there's going to be a lot more artists coming into the space. So we're at a very interesting inflection point right now. And it's really interesting to watch how this evolves. Um, you know, I think there's going to see, you're going to see a ton more and you're seeing bigger and bigger names. The only reason you're not seeing a flood of big, giant names now is because of the reasons I said about they're all basically locked into these deals that prevent them from doing this. Um, but more and more people are finding these freeing themselves up to do NFTs. So you're going to see a lot more NFTs from big name artists coming down the pipeline. Um, we're at an interesting point. I, yeah. I'm just really happy right now that you guys all agreed to come and, and do this kind of like social experience with me where like everyone's a speaker and you guys are all such like amazing speakers. <laughs> so I'm really, really happy about that. I just wanted to add to that though. Do you think that this is the end of the record label? Like, I think this is a you know ongoing question. Oh, so, oh sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, a lot of people are a lot of people who are crypto and NFT specialists are speculating that the NFT means the end of the record label. I'm I'm not really sure about that. I don't believe that record labels. It's not ready to. I'm not ready to write their obituary yet. Um, I've been a record label myself. I've worked with record labels for many years. Record labels have are now basically in what we might call a service business, meaning that they are marketing companies. The purpose of a record label nowadays, because anyone can make music in their bedroom, and most people do. Most artists are making music on their own essentially for free. In the old days, record labels used to finance the creation of music, but that is no longer a problem. Artists can make music on any laptop for free, basically. So because of that, the role of the record label has become a marketing company. Their job is to take that file, you know, that, that, that creative work, and then blow it up in the sense of making it popular making the artist into a name that people care about. Um, and that will never change. You know, there's literally hundreds of thousands of aspiring music artists out there all trying to make a name for themselves. And, you know, many of them will fail and a very, very small percentage will succeed. And that the role of the label will always, there always be a role for some entity it may not always be officially a record label, but some entity or entities are going to have to help amplify the message that these artists are putting out. You know, there are, there are sometimes examples of truly independent artists that break through totally on their own with no record label. That does happen, but it's extremely rare. And most of the time, the artists that you care about are people that you've learned about through the work of some record label that's done the marketing to, to teach you about them. So that's why I I'm not ready to write the obituary for record labels yet. I think that labels, including some prominent ones, are looking into this digital space now. Um, something called Dapper Labs, which is uh, a label-owned entity. Um, Warner Brothers, I believe, is the financer of that. And they, they basically are all about this NFT things. In fact, they've created some of these you know, other platforms within the NFT space, not, not with music necessarily, but they've done a bunch of different things. The point being that we're still, you know, all these companies are going to end up getting into this space one way or the other. They're figuring it out still. There is a window of opportunity now, probably for the next year or so, where these independent artists have a head start. So it's actually a great time to be a hot independent artist. If you're, if you're lucky enough to be in that place right now, 
to, to get in this NFT space. It's a great time to do it, um, but it's not going to last forever. You know, there's going to be a, that window's going to shut, I believe. It occurs to me that this kind of reminds me of kind of like the golden age of blogging, when like the early bloggers were coming in and all of a sudden all of them were scooping up like $500,000 a year, a million dollar a year contracts to write one blog post that was like a recipe on, I don't know, like waffles, you know, like, <laughs> And like, and like, and then everyone was like, oh, I'm going to become a blogger. But then after that, it's saturated. And then what ended up happening is that large publishers ended up coming back in and ended up regulating that market in a really significant way. And, and I do think that there is one thing that I sort of want to call out here is that I think that it suddenly like sitting in, in this panel that I, I didn't mean to be a part of. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's my, my fault. But no, I did hanging ask out you in our like, office. I <laughs> asked you on the way. Remember that I did ask Correct. you on the way. Do you want to sit here? Well, I was I offering you beer. Um, I'm probably one of the people here that understands NFTs the least. And I think that it's important to kind of note that this is, that like, in large companies and in major corporations, right, where, where you have a big apparatus, where you have existing businesses that can capitalize on the NFT rush, like at least like at, at right where I am, there are, like, there's a pretty significant sort of like uh, gap between people who really understand NFT, like my head of esports. I've been buying like Bitcoin and 7-Eleven at Taiwan for like years. At 7-Eleven? Good for him. It used to be the one place where you could get I didn't know you could do that. Bitcoin inside. Uh, here. It's like, an ATM. You mark it up, but yeah. Literally, he would like <laughs> stop like in between meetings and be like, we need to go get some Bitcoin. And I'd be like, what are we doing? Like, I'm really busy. We have to go. Um, it's great up, you know. Um, but, but then, like, to me, the interesting thing about the whole NFT space is that in many ways, it's a canvas. And what, the, what happens is that the content that gets put on that, there will be a point in time when this becomes you know, standardized and that companies like us will have an easy way to understand it, but artists who don't know anything about technology can make decisions about, and, and, and make the important decisions, which is content, which I think is what will actually like, drive value for the consumer. Yeah. I think I'm gonna, here is gonna really just say one market. thing, which is that like the very basis of SOSV mocks is that the big companies are not going to have as much as a, of a play, right? And we were doing this on purpose. No, it's slower. But like our entire business model is to disaggregate your employer, right? Tencent, right? So like we just want to take them out. Um, so we're a partner. We signed a partnership with Universal Music two and a half years ago. We just signed last year. We're strategic partners with Warner Music. Both of them, they don't like each other that much, but they're okay. You know, there's some people moving back and forth. But like the our, our, our new adjunct partner who was SVP Innovation at, at Universal, he put us in touch with, you know, this, you know, Sweet.io, which started off as like a thing where you can like get bonus points if you press play on Spotify and listen to the end and make a comment, right? But they quickly went into NFTs, and I couldn't get in there. I negotiated an okay deal, but I had to walk away because they're getting, you know, this is before NFT took off, and it was like, you know, a $60 million pre. But they are doing NFTs, and it does not actually trip the way the contracts are written. It doesn't generally trip the, the, um, the, the copyright or the, 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 the music. You're not doing an NFT on the music. You're doing an NFT on a smiley face with the, the thing under it that has a benefit, like you were talking about just now. 
you can get a golden pass, you can get like, uh, you can get special benefits, you get in the music video, you collect all five, you get all these benefits that the artists have total 100% control on. So, and everybody's cut out. And so one thing that NFTs can do, in theory, is change the game of music. And that's what we've been trying to do for the last five years. I'm not really into music, but been in the music industry for a while. But we're, it's about breaking that sort of like slave-slaver kind of relationship between, you know, creators and the distribution. So I'm not trying to be like, oh, yeah, revolution. But yeah, this could actually break things out a bit because you can actually have a direct relationship with the fans. That's right. You can have a direct relationship with the connoisseurs of the, whatever you're creating. It's, I, it's, I think what Justin said that we're all kind of like it's it's basically based on the content, so that we're all experts makes sense. Yeah, it, it's it's also important to understand that the NFT isn't the content. The NFT is like a certificate yes. or a passport, even. So, like what um, Shecky was saying earlier was that you know, Blau, the NFT didn't just come with the music; it came with like essentially the ultimate backstage pass to Blau and talk about the adult industry and where that might go, but I don't want to go there. <laughs> so, so instead of thinking of NFT as art even, it's, it's this technological innovation that allows essentially a smart contract to be tied to a unique identifier that can have all sorts of implications, whether it's like multiple royalty streams with the terms all encoded directly into the, the smart contract code. It really has the potential to change the game. And then the next level beyond that is also there's a way to encode basically like social tokens. So there's there's a concept of social tokens which can be backed by NFT. So it starts getting a little bit mind-bendy. But but like some of the biggest players in NFT, there's a guy named Whale Shark. So he yeah. was the second highest bidder on the Blau um, auction, which was actually 33 NFTs. I thought that was Justin's son. Justin's son? No, that's he's not that's a different. Shark. Yeah. And he's no. not Will Shark. Will Shark's cool. He bid on Will Shark's uh, the other thing. Second highest yeah. bidder. Anyway, that was the people. Okay. So. Um, so, so, <laughs> so, which, by the way, people also like in an interview when asked, he's probably the most successful um, NFT artist. Is this a bubble? His response people is. People were so mad at him, like other artists. There was so many clubhouse rooms after saying, yeah. like, he just made so much money and he like sold everyone else out. Yeah. He basically said, "Is it a bubble?" 100%. That was his answer. So, so yeah, there's there's a lot of chaos in the space, but it's really like the hype right now isn't really what the key point is. The key point is the fact that we have this ability to create governance within a vehicle that acts like a unique identifier passport that can be literally like we could transact the NFT like I could I could get it stamped essentially additional value encoded into it. And that, that, like the, the stuff that uh, I think ESL was mentioned where they have um, unique identifier. Almost, it's almost like passports. I think a good way to think of it is like passports. Cool. Um, I'm wondering, Calvin, if you can give people that you know are new to NFTs or people that are making NFTs, can you give them an intro to like tech, the technical side or the security side on what you would tell these people? Yeah, so I mean, I, I so I focus on custody, right? And that's definitely the, the non-sexy side of all this conversation. But let me explain why it's a it's a it's a must. That's this industry to grow, right? So I think you're exactly right. NFT, we've been talking about content and you know IPs and all that fun stuff. But at the end of the day, it's just uh, you know another application using blockchain technology, right? So just like Bitcoin. So 
kind of one of the problems I'm seeing potentially right now is just like you know in the blockchain world, there are too many protocols right now. Right, so we're now I'm now focusing on the very bottom layers. Before even artists, we're talking about technology. So right now, most of the entities are on uh, Ethereum blockchain. Right, so we all know the gas fee there, the, the transaction fees. Uh, it's not really sustainable, or it's quite high. But you have you know new entrants, for example, like Dapper Lab. They have their own flow um, blockchain protocol. So now it's like putting artists. Okay, well should I you know put my NFT as you know flow or should I put Ethereum or you know all these poke dot or whatever chains coming out. Right. So it's back to the same question. It's you know the battle of the different networks. So and, and what that means is from a custody perspective. I as a custodian, I now have the okay, I have support here. I have to support flow, I have to support whatever next. So the infrastructure side of things makes it so much more difficult to have a kind of a unified standard. And this really is part of part of the reason that's you know a headwind to this industry as a whole, because everyone's trying to get market share. Um, so and and you know, with custody, people might think, you know, why am I talking about custody with NFTs, right? So when you get to the value like the people, right? It's six nine million. And one day, all this token is going to be enabled in secondary trading. Beyond just peer to peer, there's going to be a change. Right now, the marketplace like OpenSea already. But what's going to be cool about this is going to be enable very easy trading of these tokens because it's you know fast settlements and you know transaction transaction all that good stuff that comes with blockchain technology. And as these value keeps going up and there's more content and sources on these tokens, well, all of a sudden you better think about custody, right? Because if you want the big asset managers or private equity or high net worth individuals want to hold these hundred millions, hundreds of millions of billions of dollars worth of tokens, then that's when custody having secure um, safekeeping of these tokens will really come into place. I'll give you an example, just very quickly. So on Superworld, I tried it out, you know, and uh, my cousin-in-law, I mean, she passed away in a, in a tragic car accident, but she actually owned 60% of 18 on the bond. You know, she Shanghai. In, uh, Nibund in Shanghai. The Bund is this like very dramatic place, and 18 on Nibund is one of the most dramatic places in Shanghai, especially if you party over the last 20 years. Uh, so, um, but she rebuilt it, she put it up, she had 60% of it, she passed away. So, if you're going to get any virtual real estate, you might as well, you know, it was meaningful for me. So, got the Bund. And then somebody else got the uh, the one little piece of the bun. I got there a little bit too late uh, for Super World, um, but they're charging now like um, I don't know. It's about it's actually about uh, two hundred fifty thousand U.S. dollars with the ETH to buy the one little bit of the bun that uh, uh, I don't own. Um, so you're a millionaire. You own the rest <laughs> of it. You said yeah. I bought. The bond. He bought the rest of it. It's worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> well, no, it's not worth it. That's what I mean. That person that he's trying to sell. Yeah, whatever. And, and and so, being first of all, custody. Yeah, I'm gonna put my stuff where it's safe because you're gonna insure it, right? Yeah, insurance. <laughs> and then the second thing is like um, what uh, Amber is doing is we need to fractionalize that because. Um, somebody, some of these people on Superworld are saying this piece of like this little bit of virtual property is worth a thousand ETH. It's one point nine million US dollars. Now, I'm not saying that it's worth one point nine million dollars, but some people might want to buy twenty bucks of something. It might go up and down, right? 
And so custody is super important. Security is super important. And transparency is the only thing that makes this market work. Thank you, William. Um, let's talk about, I just wanted to talk about art for a second, Patrice. What are your thoughts in like the gallery industry and like what's changing? Do you feel threatened? Do you feel like this is real art? The value is real? Do you feel what, on the history, historical side, your thoughts? Well, uh, when we talk about FT, I think we are talking about auction house. It's just an alternative way of the traditional auction house. So it's not a bad thing. It's secondary market. And like William said, that this is not cool for starving, for being a starving artist, right? So artists has to make a living. And the secondary market is very important for the artists. They have to make the transaction of their artworks. And NFTs is one. But way. aren't these artists totally different from like their history of being a traditional artist? These are all new artists. So do you feel like they have this, this value or? Well, I think digital or new media art is already one of the forms of contemporary art. It's not new, right? Just like music, it's not new, but it's just didn't find a good way to do exchange or transaction. So the NFTs is providing another way, an alternative way for the artist to do the exchange. Yeah, so we're super... I know. I'll say this very quickly. So for a super world, it's not just about monopoly for crypto. Okay, um, the world is an art gallery, and they are putting a lot of time and money and effort into a artist program. So there's three levels. Um, there's like a just education level where people come in, can be educated. Um, another level where people could come in and get a little bit of mentoring. And then the third level, which is anybody who's established can come in and actually have uh, somebody walk them through the process of how to put whatever they're creating uh, into this new gallery space. So just think about it like a new gallery space. You know, it's just like you get galleries in New York and London. Now you got a gallery in Shanghai or Taipei. Right. So that's the, the goal. And so we had an artist, and she sold uh, her rendition of a house uh, architectural design for five hundred and twelve thousand U.S. dollars uh, on Super Rare. And the whole idea is that hopefully the person who bought that uh, can stick it in our metaverse and show it off. And and then maybe that person, if they feel like selling the Mars house someday in the future. Uh, can uh, can do that, but I think that's very important for people to be appreciated uh, for the work that they do, and to get a you know like a small piece, uh, because auction houses are great, but not for the artists. Only the owners actually make money in the auction yes. house. Yes. The artists don't get anything. Mm -hmm. So yes. we can actually maybe change that a little mm -hmm. bit, so that the artists get a little bit of the upside of the appreciation of what they create. Thank you, Willem. So I think um, we're going to let everyone go soon to get some drinks. But before that, I'm just wondering, like, there's so many um, marketplaces right now and, and so many. What, what do you guys think is next in NFTs? And after that, you guys just, like, if you have any other questions for each other, do, like, please. I think one of the interesting things we're seeing is, and this has kind of been addressed by the custody issue and also by the metaverse question, which is, once you buy an NFT, what do you do with it? That's kind of a problem right now. It's, it's, it's really a, I wouldn't say a problem, but it's one of the, 
overlooked spots. I, there's people that I know that own a lot of NFTs and they don't, they're just like sitting, they don't know what to do with it. There's no, there's not really a great wallet situation or there's not really a, there's not really a frame. I mean, I'm sure they will exist where you can put it on the wall and show your art NFTs. And, you know, there, there's basically, I think there's a lot of opportunity in that area. And this has to do with the metaverse because displaying it somewhere, you know, putting like, putting your stuff somewhere. It also has to do with custody because where do you keep it once you, once you acquire a bunch of these things. Um, so what we're seeing now as far as the platforms is, you know, it, when it comes to the music side, I know that Super Rare um, and Nifty Gateway are kind of the leading ones, uh, platforms at this moment. Also Origin, which is based here in Taipei recently, like they moved here recently as far as I know, is, is they're, the, they're the platform or that, that put the Blau um, project forward. They, I, I'm, I really have an eye on them. I think they're really doing some interesting things. I think that they are going to continue to be an innovator in the space. It's interesting that they're based here in Taipei. Um, but beyond that, uh, you know, there's, there's tons of new ones. I mean, just yesterday, like two or three new ones launched. Uh, always there's constantly new NFT marketplaces and NFT projects launching now in the crypto world. Um, it's red hot. And, you know, if you're, if you're betting on crypto, if you're a crypto investor, it's a place where people are making a lot of money now. Also losing a lot of money, as always the case with crypto. It goes up and down like crazy. And so, you know, but there's a lot of opportunity here. It's a buzz. It's a red hot buzzword and a, bu and a, a, a buzzy concept in the crypto world right now. Um, I think this is one way or the other. This thing is here to stay. I mean, it's not just disrupting music and art and and things like that. There's, it, it works with writing. You know, the end, The New York Times just made an NFT of one of their articles for the first time. Um, there's, there's any create, any, any digital piece, whether it's art, music, text, um, is possible to become an NFT. So we're, we're, we're at the very early stages of something major. I don't think it will stay in the exact form it is now, but I do think that, you know, as mentioned with all the different competing blockchains who are trying to get into this space, there's going to be a lot of evolution and there's going to be a lot of um, change, you know, in the, as this evolves. So anyway, I'm happy to be here now watching it. And I think I'm curious to hear what the other panelists think about, about some of the, you know, where this is heading in the sort of short and midterm future. Well, I think um, the custodian problem is a big deal, right? I think um, until you don't have to load a MetaMask and, you know, remember all these private keys and passcodes and all this stuff, it's its still scary. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you, you, lose a, you lose your password or you lose your uh, your key phrase and it's gone. So so I think um, custodians, like a, a more mass market accessible method of being able to interact with these things. And then I think the, the case study of like, you know, or the use case of where these will be displayable. I mean, there's there's obviously um, Apple Glass and some of these technologies that like five, 10 years from now, we can imagine that there will be potentially a, almost like a virtual fashion aspect to it. But in the short term, I think it's, I think we're all figuring it out. I think the there's big problems with Ethereum still with the gas fees, proof of work, et cetera, that transition. So I think there's a lot of new platforms there's just so much going on and it's changing so fast. So, 
it's really going to be this interesting, it's going to be very interesting. I think there's just going to be so much competitive, you know, projects in the space and th there's room for more than one. So it'll be, it's an exciting time. Cool. Do you guys have any questions you want to ask the NFT guys? Yeah, question. Um, I mean, NFTs have been around for, for a while, actually. Um, you know, NEM had NFTs before during the yeah, speak up, dude. What's the question? Sorry, yeah, he hasn't asked the question. We work together. I know. <laughs> Ask the question, man. <laughs> All right, so like, do you, you sort of think about that in terms of like the value of NFTs? Um, where's ロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロックロ